Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League show. It's a show that forgot just how incredibly boring international breaks can be. We read a book, for goodness sake, an actual book. On today's part, we're submerging ourselves in proper football again, going around the grounds as always and talking about games that actually matter. Not before, however, we aim both barrels at Gareth Southgate, a man who has presumably veered just the once from the missionary position in his life when he sipped a second shandy at Christmas. Joining me in his character assassination, as well as offering their thoughts on an intriguing weekend ahead, I've been spoilt today because we have Lloyd and Daz. Hi Lloyd, you there mate? Hello Steve. Sorry, so just because Wales are shit again, you don't like international <laughs> break? Is that is that what the crack is? <laughs> oh, I used, I used to so look forward to the international breaks. <laughs> now we're just uh, an oasis of boredom. Yeah, yeah, we are shit again. But we beat Latvia, so, you know, we're well, all right. Latvia that had zero points in the group, me. Yeah, but we had to win. I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you. Well, um, just about. Uh, no, I mean, look, obviously I kind of follow Wales, but I think Robert Page is... A, yeah. Before last night, one win in 13. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is shocking. Yeah, he's, he's Ryan Giggs' is gimp, isn't he? And um, with Giggs gone, oh, it'd be good no to No one wants to be that. No. <laughs> you, want, you want Page gone as well and a clean slate, ideally. But um, that's going to happen, I think. As very likely, England will be looking at a new manager in mm-hmm. a year's time, which we'll get to shortly. But before we do, Daz, are you there? Are you well? I'm there, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. The sun is out for once. <laughs> I can't complain about that. Not at all. Not at all. So let's get straight to the international break uh, very quickly because, you know, frankly, it, it was boring. But a comment made by Gareth Southgate, Daz, um, concerning Phil Foden, yeah. um, certainly got City fans' attention, um, yeah. suggesting that he wasn't suitable to playing in the middle of the park and then going on to talk about when being out of possession and kind of, you know, the intelligence to close down pressing lanes and all the rest of it, saying he's not kind of of that ilk, primarily because he doesn't play there for his club. What did you What did you make of it all? I think it's really bullshit from Southgate, to be honest. Mm. Honestly, I didn't understand why he would say that. I feel like he yeah. just looks at what Pep does and thinks, okay, if Pep does that, I'm going to do that as well. So he sees it as, well, if Guardiola can do it, why can't I do it? So no one should be complaining. And I don't, what I don't think helps, I think he'll tell, um, tell people that, listen, I got us to a semi-final, I got us to a Euro final. But then it's them little details where players like Foden should be playing. For me, he's the best player in the England squad, probably with Bellingham. And right now he's the best player at City. So for him not to start and you're saying, telling me you can't play him in the in the eight position in the midfield, mind baffling really mm. I mean Lloyd you're infamously on the fence when it comes to Phil Foden um, <laughs> what did you make of it how did you react I, I think you at first at least were kind of seeing it from both sides and seeing it from Southgate's perspective did that did that change what do you mean well I mean we were kind of being critical on the WhatsApp group about Southgate and you were saying yes but he did kind of say about Pep and, and and all the rest of it so it sounded to me like you were defending him a little bit oh no no <clears throat> I wasn't I right. wasn't I was more I think the first quote that got posted was a not not an accurate one is what I was trying to say but right no I mean look I've generally been pretty pro Southgate during his reign um I would have got rid of him after the World Cup last year. 
Um, but up until then, I think largely he'd made a lot of good decisions. And I think the kind of atmosphere he's generated around the team and how the fans re- interact now with the England football team, etc., is is night and day to what it was before he took over. Now, that being said, I think in the last kind of 12 months, the um, I'd say the gaps in his kind of ability have 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 been shown up a little bit. Mm. I think um, obviously the the final um, in the last Euros was really frustrating in that England couldn't hold on. But I kind of thought he deserved the World Cup, and I think there are a few things in the World Cup that were a bit frustrating. Now, since then, yeah, like I say, I think there's some been some weird selection decisions. I think you know the the push for Maguire consistently is weird and and it and it's now going to become untenable because there are other options that are emerging in at center half the henderson thing i don't like and now it, we get to the foden comments which of all the decisions really sp- it just spun my head the most and you said at the top of the question to daz like it got city fans reactions what it got a lot of other fans' reactions yeah. that aren't City yeah, fans. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That were like, this just, this is just, it doesn't make sense. And I think from so many levels, I've got a problem with it. So I think the first level is what City do, which is what, you know, Daz was touching on with his point, that's, it's, it's not comparison, it's not comparable with Southgate. City's system is so much more comp- complicated and complex. And for him to say, oh, he doesn't start centrally, he starts on the wing. Well, yeah, that's because of partly how we play. Um, the other, the other thing that I think has been very kind of applicable, particularly prior to this season, is we've had unbelievable options in the number eight position. We've had Gundogan, De Bruyne, and Bernardo, probably three of the best people in the world in that position. And so the fact that Phil hasn't played there isn't necessarily a slight on his ability to do that. It's just that with the players that we've got, actually, we it's been better to play him on the wing um, to get him into the team. Now, that has changed a bit in the last six months, which I think is why you've seen Phil play a bit more centrally since Gundo's gone. And we've kind of had to move things out around a, a little bit. And I think the last point as to why it's so, I think, hypocritical from Southgate is that the guy plays loads of different players in positions that yeah. they don't play for their club team. So Trippier plays left-back last night, never plays left-back. He's played Trent in midfield in a couple of games. Trent's hardly ever played in midfield. Madison started the season on fire in the number 10 position, so he plays him out wide. Like, I think those comments, in light of all of that, it just makes absolutely no sense. And and I think it he he's very lucky that it didn't alienate Phil, and Phil played well last night. Um, but I think to to kind of weirdly go to war with one of your best players and someone that should absolutely be in the team just makes absolutely no sense to me. I just want to extend on something you said, Daz, which was kind of why you said it, you know, the, the pointlessness of saying yeah. it, because he's just going to basically, you're talking down one of your key players there. Um, Pep will be happy with hearing that, by the way. It's kind of, no, it, it kind of, I mean, he never said this, Southgate. I don't want to put words into his mouth, but there is that kind of undercurrent of illusion there that he's had words with Pep about this. You know, it, it's kind of, Pep won't be pleased to be brought into this at all. And it was just so freaking pointless. I mean, it, just there was an opportunity there to talk the player up and to, you know, there's probably better ways of, of, of saying this, but dangle a carrot in front of Phil. 
to say, you know, if you want it, it's there, but you've got to prove yourself to me or something to give him some motivation. But he was just killing all motivation in that regard. So, which is not what a good manager does. So, I don't know. I just don't understand the, the point of him saying what he said. There's no positives to be sourced from it. Just a quick one from that as well. Um, look at the Champions League final for a, an example. Kevin De Bruyne came off. Mm. Alvarez could have came on. Mares could have came on. Anyone could have came on. But he decided Phil Foden's the guy to come on as the Kevin De Bruyne replacement, which says a lot. You, you know what I mean? So you're mm. relying on a 20, I think, how old is Phil now? 21? 22? 22 now. Yeah, 22-year-old to carry us through that final, which is a big expectation. We've seen him against PSG when he was 20 years old, against Dortmund scoring goals. He's done it already. All he needs is consistency. And for me, at England with the squad that they got, he should be the main guy with Bellingham to just take us to that next step. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to come back to you on this, Daz, because, um, but Lloyd, you've already kind of commented on how you... You've kind of backed Southgate in the past. So I'll start with you, yeah. Lloyd, on this. And I, and I want both of your kind of thoughts on it. So Daz there mentioned about the players that England have got at their disposal. And, you know, you look at the midfield, potentially there you've got a midfield of Rice, Bellingham and Foden, which is just an astonishingly good and, crucially, an astonishingly well-balanced midfield, in my opinion. Is he too conservative a manager? Is he holding England back in that regard? Particularly when you look at the talent that he's got and the potential that England have got. Is he the wrong man um, looking to head to the Euros and beyond? Yeah, so I I think he is too conservative. And I think that's one of the things that's been exposed more over the last kind of 12 to 18 months as England's team has got better. Yeah. The players have got better. And you don't need to play, say, the five at the back that, that England did in 2018 because it covered up for deficiencies in midfield or in defence. Like now, you know, in Declan Rice, you've got one of the best number sixes in the world. I think we all kind of agree with that. I think when you've got an established back four with at least three being Walker, Stones and Luke Shaw, again, I think we'd all agree that that is a pretty solid back four. Um, Obviously, there's a bit of a question mark around the other centre-half, but... you kind of get what I mean. The, the base, the spine of the team's looking a lot stronger than it was when he first started. Now, for me, England's midfield should be exactly what you said. It should be Rice, Bellingham, and Foden. And I think what 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 I found a bit funny about last night is because Bellingham played so well in the number ten position, and mm. a lot of people hot takes have been Foden shouldn't play centrally. Bellingham has to play in the number ten. That's where we get the best out of him. It's not about getting the best of individual players at international level. It's about what is best for the team. And England's best team, taking into consideration every every everyone else, how can the team perform to the best? For me, that would be with Rice and Bellingham and Foden in the middle. Now, Bellingham might be able to play a bit better if he was on his own with two behind him. Or Foden might be able to play a bit better if he had two people behind him. But I think getting those three into the midfield gives you the best outcome from yeah. an England perspective, particularly when you've got Saka, Kane, and then take your pick on who you want to play left wing. So, yes, I do think he's holding them back. I would understand in, in a certain game why he might want to not play that midfield, say if we're talking a semi-final against a really big team. I'd still like to see him go with that, but I would understand in those kind of games. Whereas... Now, running into the Euros, all the games that they've got, I think I think we should be playing um, that midfield three. And I do think it's holding us back because 
what you can get from Bellingham going back and forward, what you can get from Foden in the pockets, what you can get from Rice kind of at the base. I think I think that's the best um, kind of approach to go from. It's really interesting what you say there about kind of so often we we hear of managers molding a team in their image and or you know molding a team to suit a particular setup and system. This is an instance where a team has evolved and detached itself from its own manager, um, which can only happen really at international level. It wouldn't happen at club level. And that's kind of a fascinating development. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Daz, would you go along with that? Do you think now that England basically, at their best, are far more of an adventurous team now, naturally so, than they used to be? So they're not not a good fit anymore with Southgate? Oh, 100%. I, the team that we have, the players that we've got, I think Southgate limit us to what we can achieve. Yeah. To, to, to get to the semi-final and the final with him, for me, is an achievement to say, right, we've got the players there. Now you need that right manager that can just do a little tweak of tactics. For example, we're 1-0 up against um, Italy. Right, let's just do this then. Let's more mm. press after three minutes. Let's get a goal after 10 minutes, stuff like that. And I think with Southgate there, I just think, Either, I don't know if it plays a part of not having enough um, experience level. I know he's under 21's England manager, he was. Um, but sometimes, you know, you can see the difference if a Guardiola or even a Jurgen Klopp, someone that has had that high intensity level, Ancelotti, where they just know them players would know what to do through him. Mm. And then when it comes through Southgate, it's like, it's this happy thing that we have, this happy chemistry, which is really good for the actual players. But then you need a bit more aggressiveness, right, lads? This is it now. Let's you know, go over the line. And I think that's where we slack. So so people say, oh, let's get um, the Newcastle manager. Uh, what's he called now? What's he called? Eddie oh, Howe. Sorry. Eddie Howe, that's it. Yeah, Eddie Howe. I, I don't think Eddie Howe is the right one either. I don't think you need an English manager. I think you need a manager that has the right intensity for these type of players. Mm. So that's where I feel like England just need that right manager to take it to that next step. Yeah. Okay. Um just kind of quickly touch on another aspect of international football or actually kind of it takes us into club football and then we'll get to the games this weekend so it's often said that some teams are traditionally they do well after international breaks while other teams are said to struggle Um, and you'll see this in a lot of previews as well they'll say you know kind of Arsenal always seem to kind of drop points after international breaks and do you place any stock in this Lloyd or is this just superstition What's the position for City? Well, well, City, I I looked at before. uh, It's actually consistently pretty good down the years because I have done an article on this in the past. But to get the exact figures, last season you couldn't because of obviously the World Cup in the middle of the season. There was only one international break. Uh, The season before, though, we won 1-0, 1-2-0, 1-3-0, 1-2-0. So that's pretty good. No, interesting. I, I I just remember the Brentford game before the World Cup. Yes, year, yeah, yeah. It was like obviously the other end of the um, kind of shelf, but um, that was very much a performance where the players were <laughs> were all thinking about the plane and um, the World Cup and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because, for example, so like I follow Palace quite closely, and Palace had. I think eight players away at um, on international duty this week, whereas I think City had uh, seventeen. Right. I mean, that's a huge difference, isn't it? Um, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, and and some of those players, like for Palace, three of them are Eze, 
uh, Mark Gay and Sam Johnson. So Johnson hasn't kicked a ball. Eze came off the bench twice and Mark Gay did play quite a lot and it sounds like he's got an injury. Um, Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.